How's it going, guys? We welcome you inside the Sports Ethos Sacramento Kings podcast. Sam Comente here with you. The basketball season is nearly over. The Lakers have been eliminated from playoff contention. That's hilarious. We all love that. We all are united in Kings media, as Tim Maxwell pointed out in a tweet. Whenever the Lakers suck, which God damn it, were they? Did they suck when they were supposed to be good? Never get never get tired of that ever. And uh, as we're recording this, the Kings have two more games left to play, a back-to-back Saturday and Sunday against the Clippers and against the Suns, two games that we're expecting them to lose and we're hoping that they lose so that they finish under 30 wins with a better chance of moving up up in the uh, draft lottery in May. But now I'm going to take you to Jill, who's going to give you a coaching reveal from another assistant on her list. And joining her in this reveal is a special guest. And I'll give you a hint. He really loves gold. Like, really. Like, too much, actually. (laughs) Enjoy, guys. All right, guys. Welcome to the next round, um, or I should say the next on the list of our uh, coaching, um, or I should say my coaching list, and what we're assuming will be the coaching search or the first coaching search um, coming up for the Kings this offseason. I have a special guest tonight, Will Griffith. And um, the reason he's on tonight is because this candidate is someone that we've talked about offline. And it's one of Will's dark horses um, for this, uh, for the opening. So welcome, Will. Thank you for, for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. All right, so we'll we'll hop right in. And so without further ado, the next name on the list is Brian Keefe. So Brian was a shooting guard um, in high school, and he was actually his high school's all-time leading scorer for 24 years before it was broken in 2018. Uh, he ended up playing college ball at UC Irvine and then transferring to UNLV where he did get to make a uh, NCAA uh, tournament appearance. He was named um, WAC All-Tournament after making a then-tournament record of 13 threes. I'm assuming that's been broken now based on how, <laughs> how much people shoot threes. But back then, you know, that was, that was a big thing. Something to highlight that he did go to uh, two schools, and he was actually a captain um, on, uh, the team at both schools. So that, to me, that just goes to show you that, you know, he's able to build relationships wherever he goes, even though he only spent two years at each one, he was able to, uh, to be, uh, nominated as a captain by his peers. So after his playing days, he did not go pro. Um, he actually started his coaching career as a graduate assistant at South Florida, uh, from 2000 to 2001. And then he went on to be an assistant coach under Max Good at then Division II Bryant University from 2001 to 2005. And I believe it was his last year there. They actually made it to the Division II championship uh, game. So they were successful there. Keith then made the jump to the NBA by joining as a video coordinator. (laughs) We're all promising career start, the San Antonio Spurs. (laughs) (laughs) So he was actually brought in by then Spurs uh, assistant general manager, Sam Presti. Interesting fact about them too, is they actually grew up 12 miles apart. So they actually had a relationship 
uh, prior to that, and uh, Sam brought him on. So uh, Keith compared San Antonio to going to Harvard. Only his professors were Spurs coach Greg Popovich and general manager R.C. Buford. Uh, and future Hall of Famers Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. He says his philosophy and core values. Um, this was uh, in an interview with Jay uh, Billis, like uh, I, be I believe it was last year. It might have been two years ago, but it was on the uh, Junior NBA pod. And Jay asked him about his philosophy and core values as a coach. So his response was, people that are around you help you shape who you become. He says he was fortunate to be under coach Max Good to start his career and then go to the Spurs as an intro to NBA. He equivalates it to getting his grad degree in basketball, working under Buford and Pop, watching firsthand their leadership and how they handle their day-to-day -day business. Then being around all those Hall of Fame players, how they carry themselves, their approach, their consistency. From there was an unbelievable opportunity to go uh, with Sam Presti and PJ Carlissimo. Um, and I will get into this, to go to Seattle and then OKC, basically watching an org start from the ground up, how they instilled values and what they wanted the org to believe in and stand for. He talks about basketball being bigger than sports, which I think Keeks fans will love. That's, you know, bigger than basketball is, is our slogan. Getting, getting the community buy-in. He talks about his love for his parents and then mentions the buzzword that loves to get thrown around out here, culture. He says, culture is your actions on a daily basis, how you're going to work every day. Do you have a growth mindset? Do you strive and believe you can get better on a daily basis? The type of teammate that you are, are you there to care and bond with each other because you cannot do it alone? He says, you have to be authentic with everyone around you and yourself. It starts with relationships, build the connection as people first, and then you gain the trust and then you can really start working together. Very Spurs-esque and a lot of what I talked about last episode with Will Hardy. Um, he's known as one of the best player development coaches in the game. And so he, like I said, he started in 2005 as the, as the video um, coordinator. And then in 2007, the Spurs won the championship. So he got a ring there. So after the 2007 championship, what is Seattle? then at the time still had the, uh, the Sonics, they hired then 29-year-old Sam Presti to be their GM. So for the last season uh, in Seattle. And who was one of Presti's first hires in August after the draft? Brian Keefe. He was tasked with developing their new number two draft pick and young Durant. Then it became Westbrook, then it became Harden. And what do you know, all three ended up becoming league MVPs. So PJ uh, Carlismo is another uh, name from the Spurs that went over with Presti and Keefe. Um, and as he would say, from Seattle to OKC, there was always a sound of basketballs no matter the hour. Why was that? It was because of two guys, KD and BK, Brian Keefe. Keefe's resume goes beyond Durant. In five seasons with the Thunder from 2009 to 2014, uh, in OKC, he worked with Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, and the core that helped the Thunder to three Western Conference Finals appearances and one NBA Finals appearance. So he did so well there. Derek Fisher, the new coach for the New York Knicks, grabbed Keefe in 2014, and he joined the Knicks staff. There, Keefe coached Carmelo Anthony and Christophe Porzingis. Um, when Fisher ultimately left after two seasons, so did Keefe. 
And where did he end up joining? A fan favorite here, Luke Walton staff <laughs> with the Lakers. But why did they want him? They wanted him to develop their new number two pick, Brandon Ingram. You can see a theme here. <laughs> and three seasons with the, uh, the Lakers under Walton, Keefe received high praise for his development of Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and Brandon Ingram, Ingram specifically. Uh, specifically, Ingram credits Keefe for helping him fix his shot after his rookie season. And if you go and look, Ingram had uh, significant jumps in almost every season since. He was very lucky to have Keefe, and then he was very lucky to move on to the shot doctor, Fred uh, Vincent. But something that Ingram constantly mentions is that what did um, what did Keefe do? He instilled essentially how how to be how to be a pro. Um, in 2017, he specifically talks about how um, in the summer, him and Keefe were in the gym constantly. And uh, they adjusted some of his uh, shooting techniques that he was shooting over his head. Keith says that they worked every day and kind of, you know, figured out little tweaks, didn't alter the whole thing, but what would be comfortable for uh, BI and what would work for him. And his percentages jumped like 5% in field goal. And then I think 7% in three. So, and again, every season is just gone up. Like it's, you can see BI's putting in the work. Um, and he said he and he credits having all that time with Durant to then being able to do what he did um, with BI. It's it's cool to see. So once Walton left, um, Keith then went back to OKC. Of course, Presty wanted him back. And who did he have him work with? Um, SGA, Baisley, Dort, etc. He went and joined Billy Donovan's staff. And he, um, after Donovan left, uh, he became a finalist a year later for the head coaching job. Uh, when Donovan left for the Bulls, but he ultimately did not get it. Where's Keith now? Steve Nash just hired him uh, this last season, and he's now an assistant coach with the Nets. After I read some of these quotes, you will understand why the Nets brought him on because of his relationship with Durant um, and what Durant, in his own words, says that Keith did for him. So he, in Durant's words, um, he says, he taught me, he, uh, taught me uh, everything I know. Uh, Duran, a seven-time All-Star and leading most valuable player in 2013-2014 uh, season. He says about work ethic, being a pro, he wouldn't take any credit for it, but he taught me everything I know as far as how to approach shoot-arounds, practices, games, workout sessions from 18 to 25. He molded me into the player I am today. So this was from an interview with, back when he was on the Warriors when um, they were meeting back together for the first time. And something that Durant keeps saying is that Brian will never take credit for it, but Durant specifically keeps saying, I want it. I want to get it out there, even though he won't take credit for it. So something else that Durant said to David Aldridge back in 2014, um, it wasn't about Keith helping Durant with mechanics, which he's done for Ingram and Andre Robinson, among others, but about Keith checking Durant's body language and attitude when the Thunder were in a post-All-Star break slump. Durant says, that was probably one of the most realist conversations I've had with a coach ever. I just decided to look at myself and self-evaluate, and he was right. I had to change how I was thinking, how I was acting towards my teammates, everything. Durant said Keith taught him about work ethic and being a professional. Sometimes you have to tell, uh, this is Keith, sometimes you have to tell something uh, that's not going to be great. 
There were probably many times he didn't love what I said, but I think he respected it and took it and used it going forward. It was just a unique relationship, but I would hope I treat every player that same way. So again, this is a guy that worked with stars, non-stars, soon to be hoping to be stars, and he's found a way to build a relationship with all involved. And a coach, that's what you want. But Keith is more than a molder of youth. While he's become known for player development, what many people don't know is Ron Adams left for Chicago in 2010 off of the OKC staff, and Keith ran the Thunder's defense for four seasons. During those four seasons, OKC finished 15th year one, ninth the second year, fourth uh, the third year, and fifth in team defense the fourth year. So something else. So, okay, he did it with a bunch of good players, right? He took their defense, made it better. And you'll say, hey, he did it with a bunch of stars. That's easy. But where did he go next? The Lakers. And what's something a lot of Kings fans and probably myself included said, hey, remember when the Lakers went from 30th to 12 um, and team defense? Who did the Lakers actually credit for that? Keith. Keith took over the defense when he went to the Lakers. And like I said, they went from 30th to 12th. Asked if he wants to be a head coach, Keith answered with a flat, yes. PJ Carlissimo said Keith's path reminded him of current Philadelphia, well, then current Philadelphia 76er coach Brett Brown, who was also labeled just a player development coach in San Antonio. He says there's a tendency to keep the guy doing that even if he's the whole package. BK is the same way. He's a front of the bench guy. He's an excellent X's and O's guy. He's a very good advanced scout. He's the whole package. So again, we saw him do what he did with OKC. And then he took a non-star, you know, Lakers team uh, from 30th to 12 in defense. So what do we like player development guys? But we also like guys that can do player, de- player development plus some X's and O's. And uh, Brian Keefe fits that mold tenfold. Jill, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I got to say, here, I'm going to compliment you really early on here because uh, it, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that people don't get to see the video of this, but the entire time I'm just shaking my head. Yes, <laughs> you like, were. I was waiting to like, I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, this, I see where Jill's going here. I'm going to bring up this point. And then you ran right through it. It was perfect. It was, you did a fantastic job breaking down. Why Keith is one of my favorite candidates for the job. Um, yeah, you were, you were mentioning all these different uh, defenses that he took over, but he was also when he went back to OKC with Billy Donovan. That's the Chris Paul year, right? Yes. They yes. they had eleven players that with a year or less experience, and they were seventh in the league in defense that year. And so, to me, it's one of those things. Great call that, out. Like, Great call out. Yeah. Yeah, that like everywhere he's gone, a team has gotten better. And, and it's not just a matter of like, oh, he's a Tom Thibodeau where he, he's a, he's a X's and O's genius, but he's a jerk and that players hate playing for him or they'll run through the wall for him for a year. And then they just get tired of his attitude. Everything that I've seen from him, players love him personally, as much as they do professionally. You know, the quote that you gave with KD, where he, he said that, uh, that he wouldn't take credit for it, but that KD, you know, cited that he was the guy who taught him how to play basketball at an NBA level. He finished that quote by saying that Keith was one of the most influential guys I know in this business and in life. And to me, it was one of those things that it almost reminded me of, uh, 
what DeMarcus Cousins had to say about Mike Malone a little bit that like you could tell that there was more to the relationship than just basketball that that Keith gets to know his players and his players enjoy playing for him a little bit and that's a great point and I think I, at least in Sacramento, I think over the years we've spent so much time or heard so much time talking about, oh, we need that veteran leadership. It has to be on the floor. Like you can have it in other ways, right? Like where it doesn't just have to be old players sitting on your bench. It can be in your coach. If if that yes. coach is excels at building those relationships like a Mike Malone and, yes. and like a Brian. And that's, and you see the players love him and then want to um, keep going. And I think a good point that you mentioned with OKC, and then we talked about the Knicks, the Lakers, um, you know, and then as multiple cents at OKC, every team was completely different. Like there was no set of, oh, all these guys are totally similar. Um, But he made them all successful, like you said, and he found ways to get the most out of them and put them in positions or at least where guys bought into to what they were doing. And that's something that this place has lacked for a long time. I think, I think we see that with like Dave Yeager, uh, we were kind of like, okay, we got the X's and O's guy, but then the franchise was like, yeah, but we, we need somebody who's kind of more of a player coach. He rubbed players the wrong way. So we went and got Walton, who was a player coach, uh, who uh, couldn't, couldn't coach a defense, couldn't coach an offense. And so it's like, oh, okay, well now we need a, we, now we need a, a culture guy. You know, we need a culture guy. We need a defensive guy and we need a guy that players like, and to me, like how many people can check all three of those boxes? Usually there's a lot of coaches can check two, but like how many can check three that the Kings right. specifically need? And Keith to me was one of those guys that stood out that it was like, okay, players love him. It's the it's the reason we like Kenny Atkinson too, I feel like, is that he's 100%. a development guy because the Kings will have young guys on the floor that we're expecting to play. We needed a, a coach that can coach defense, which obviously Keith can do. And, 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 and we need a culture guy, which – from, you know, if you're the KD whisperer, I think there's something to be said about that culture, you know, and three of the guys that he, I mean, count how many all-stars that he coached prior to them being all-stars. And and that's quite a list for somebody like De'Aaron Fox to look up to and go, I respect this guy. Right. And, And I think there's something to be said when people talk about player development. I feel like a lot of it is why, why are, well, what are, what are they doing in player development? I, I don't see these guys totally improving or becoming stars. I think there's something that needs to be said where in player development, it's yes, it's getting the guys that can be stars to be stars, but also getting your role players to excel in their role. And this is something that he does. And this place has never, I don't think has done a good job of getting, or at least getting players to maybe buy into that role that we need you to excel at. Um, Hopefully that can change as you get better players. Cause right now it's like, we need second rounders to be stars and that's just not realistic. <laughs> yeah, right. Like no. it's, we, we need people as saviors and not just, you know, you're let's let's as a group be average. Right. And just yes. be okay. And everyone excel at what they're doing. Um, so I do, I do think that gets lost when people hear the word player development. Yes. I, I think you're right there. And, and I think it's one of those things that like, you can see where the Kings are going to need a, that third guy. And, and, and he, he grew up basically, he, 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 he cut his horns on, you know, being Greg Popovich and RC Buford's uh, assistant video coordinator working with Sam Presti. So he got to see Duncan Ginobili Parker. He got to see not just those stars, but he got to see a whole cast of role players 
that sometimes, you know, San Antonio would take a guy off the heap that nobody really wanted, like a Boris Diaw, and they'd reinvent his career. And, and he got to see, you know, how they do that. And then they went ahead. The and, Andre and, Robertsons of OKC, yes, right? Yes, that fell off yes. after. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That he he was struggling beforehand, and he had a couple of those before he he injured his Achilles. Yeah, he was he was fantastic as a as a three and D guy. So it's just you see the 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 relationship there with all these good organizations that are good at the things that all the Kings need. And to me, it felt like it was just one of those guys. That I'm like, wait, why aren't we talking about Brian Keith a little bit here? Because he fits a lot of those bills. Uh, for me, one of the things that always caught my attention is he has a he has a reputation of being a question asker and at playing the devil's advocate and taking a contrarian approach to things. And and to me, that was one of those things that I kind of went, oh, I think I found the guy, because like in a room with Vivek, Rana Dive, where Vivek likes those guys, he likes those guys that takes the contrarian point of view. And I'm not talking about you know playing four on five. But he likes people that think outside the box or at least try to consider from the other point of view. McNair got hired partially because of the McNair rule, where you consider the other point of view from the general managers. Why would the other general manager make that trade? Try to find a guy that can, uh, you know, as a general manager that can make fair trades from both sides of the coin. And so Keith feels like a coaching extension of that, that like if he has the reputation of, of being a question asker and trying to suss out the best thing for the best person at the right time i just went oh even if he just gets an interview he's going to go in there against a couple other people and if he's the guy that goes well let's think about this the other way i think that i think that's the thing that like pushes him over the top in my mind it's just like oh yeah that's going to be too hard to ignore you know yeah yeah and and it's a guy who's thrown his hat in the ring right a couple times like that we know and so if he truly wants that first you know shot yeah. Give them a call. Make them, for, as I always say, make them say no. But yes. you know what I mean? Like if you can get him in for an interview, it's to me, it's he should be up there of of guys. Yeah. Being called. Yeah, and, be, as we said, he checks off pretty much everything on yeah, that, that you can want on a list. He seems like one of those guys that we just don't talk about because he's uh, he's been just a, a, a an assistant for for 10 years now. Yeah, but, I think PJ, yeah, Kalisha said that, that it's, you know, it's, we have a tendency to force and keep guys in those roles that they're successful at and not, yeah. don't let them kind of grow yeah. outside that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if, if, well, the other point that sold me was that, like, if KD likes him, like, KD's kind of a curmudgeon. Like, KD's one of those guys that just, he doesn't like a lot of people. You know, he doesn't appreciate a lot of people. When he's saying... This is one of the most influential guys I know in the business and in my life. It's kind of like, oh, okay, like and if going KD out can of get his way to keep saying it, right? Yes. Like, yes. yes. I, I because he says, same... I know he will never say this to you. So I'm going to keep saying it. Like yeah. for I, players I, to actually put that out there voluntarily, I think speaks volumes. Yeah. I think of a, uh, we, we talked a lot about in uh, recent years, uh, uh, David Vanterpool because he was the Dame whisperer. And it's like, oh, you know, if Dame, if he can get it out of Dame and CJ, like maybe he can get it out of Fox. But like one step further on that one to me, and like in terms of just like like a stick in the mud is KD. And so it's, I, I, you know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't trust KD with certain things, but like I would trust in terms of like uh, overall basketball skill. If he's, if he's the one saying, sure. oh yeah, like I got better because of, of Keith or we were as good as we were because of Keith. 
I, I trust him in that. You know, yeah. he, he doesn't BS when it comes to basketball. And then you had, and then you had almost every team after that hiring him to replicate that in certain yes. players, and he was able to do it. Like yeah. he's able to pinpoint, find it, and get them to execute it out there. And they're all vocal about it. Yes. And yeah. what was it, uh, Collison, who you know in OKC everybody loves, right? He was there yes. forever. Yeah. Um, he says that uh, Keith was the first coach ever to truly understand him and his game and be able to like implement it um, yeah. into OKC and help him have that. He credits him as one of the reasons he had the long career he did there. But I mean, I thought that again, spoke volumes, like for, for as much as, you know, who he played under, you know, at Kansas, like everything he did um, and all the head coaches, he said that Keith was the one coach that understood him and saw him and, and brought out what he could be. Yeah. I, I think that's an important point too, that like, you know, because you mentioned it earlier that like, we're going to need role players to step up too. You know, it's going to be one of those things that like, it can't be just a, a guy who like, I feel like, and this is just, this is just me not liking Luke Walton. I think like Luke, Luke liked certain players and then Luke didn't like certain players and like, okay, you can, you could, you know, the $20 million guy should get his, his back rubbed, but like, it's the, it's the $900,000 guy that's going to end up winning you the championship. He's going to go, he's going to be the guy that fills in after somebody gets injured that, you know, it's those little guys that come off the bench, the eighth, ninth, 10th guys that end up providing a pivotal role for the team yeah, and, and to have Collison like him as much as KD does, that, 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 that means something in terms of, of him as a coach. And, it, and in the same sense where I saw a lot of these quotes, similar to what I see people say to the Sam Cassells of the world, that they, not everything they say is positive or glowing. It's these guys know how to have the difficult conversations yeah. while not, you know, pissing players off. Like, they can give them, this is where we need to improve. This is what we need you to do while getting guys to buy in and believe if I do this, I'm going to be, you know, rewarded or it's got, it's going to be worth the effort that, that you're putting in every day. And like he said, his big thing is culture and teaching people how to be professionals every day. Like, like he said, he came from the Spurs and then with OKC going there from Seattle after a season, like I said, building an organization from the ground up and building that culture there with Presti of this is how we're going to operate and everyone's expects, expected to do X, Y, Z to be here and you will be rewarded. And you've seen them continually be rewarded. Yes, they draft good players and they do all this stuff. But again, it's they haven't always had the stars, right? Like you mentioned, yes. you know, with... Chris Paul coming, but you had 11 players that had a year or, you know, younger Less experience yeah. that it's, um, you, you get, it's everybody coming in as a whole knows what they're expected and, and buys in. And that's again, something this place has had a hard time doing it's, oh yeah, the goal is always the playoffs, but you see the lack of any kind of execution of just being average. <laughs> It, it's funny that you bring that up because I, I actually pulled a quote where he was talking about uh, coaching Kevin Durant and he said, uh, sometimes you have to tell some, you have to tell something, tell him something that's not going to be great. And there were probably many times he didn't love what I had to say, but he had to respect it and took it and use it going forward. It was a, it was a unique relationship, but I hope I treat every player the way I treat Kevin Durant. 
And, and, and I think that's such a, I think that's such a unique mindset. I mean, it's more, more unique to me as a fan than it is as a, probably as a coach, I'm sure there's everyone tries to treat everybody equally there, but it is one of those things that it's like, if you can, if you can yell at KD the same way that you yell at, you know, uh, right. uh, you know, Ibaka or anybody else like that, that means something because you see those out of great coaches like, uh, you know, Greg Popovich, where he's chewing right. Tim Duncan's butt out. And then he, he's chewing somebody else out on the bench for not doing the same thing that he treats them equally. And that, that's important, especially yeah. in terms of setting culture, especially in terms of setting culture in Sacramento where one just completely is void. It doesn't exist. hundred percent. Yep. And, and there's always that, you know, do we have to tip around, you know, tiptoe around certain, certain players or sure. certain conversations or, um, but yeah, I mean, he he makes it known. He hopes he treats every player, you know, with that same kind of, and and it seems like like I mentioned back in in college, right? He was spent two years at each place, and he was voted captain at each place. Like the guy knows how to build relationships clearly, and has has been able to last in in the NBA since two thousand five. So he's and another guy that's worked his way up. So yeah. I uh, yeah. One of the things that I'll give just as a like, kind of a last testament to him is that like I originally was hyping him up in chain mails and, and, and you know, our mailbags and stuff like that um, earlier this season when we had um, Halliburton still. And it was one of those things that I could kind of I felt like, OK, the Kings might be ready for the might be ready for the full rebuild, you know, and, and I was imagining, you know, uh, Halliburton and whatever young pieces we got up in a, in a top draft pick this year. Sure. And I thought like, oh, he'd be perfect. And there's a reason why OKC, he was the runner up for the job in OKC, that they knew he yeah. was a culture setter. They knew he, that he could build. But when when the trade went down and and um, Sabonis came over, my mindset never wavered on him that I kind of went like it just I was still thinking about him. And I went, oh, yeah, well, he, he he coached the big three and he coached all those young guys in L.A. And, he you know, he was with, you know, all these guys in San Antonio and like he's coached in big, big cities like the Knicks and he's coached in little places like, okay, see, and like, I never once wavered away from it. And I went oh, like, Oh yeah, he could coach a big three in Sacramento. And so it's one of those things that like, if he can, if he's a good enough coach to be your, your tank coach, you know, your Brett Brown with the right. process Sixers, right. then, then, and he's also good enough to be the guy that you go, Oh yeah, I could see him taking over, you know, a team that's a playoff team right now because of the way he, he treats his stars. Then it's like, Oh, he's, He's got it all. He's got a he's got a, a, a good size reputation on him, and and, and and it backs it up as far as I'm concerned. Yep, and again, can give you that player development side while also giving you a defensive oriented yes. side, which yes. you know is as we know that's one of the reasons we loved Wes Ensold last year is that he yeah. was a guy that had a history of coaching offense and defense on multiple teams and was successful with it. So yeah. you know, time will tell with the Wizards, but. They've yeah. had a lot of changes on their roster, but in the same kind of sense here, like lifelong assistant, but has a record of doing, you know, yes. multiple things within yeah. an organization. So, yeah. And I, and I think of other candidates too. Like uh, if you love Doug Christie, you love that. Oh, maybe Doug is young and he, we know he's a relationship guy and maybe he can coach a defense. Okay. Well then Brian Keefe should get that call because he can also, you know, he has, uh, he has proof. He has irrefutable More proof that he can yeah. form relationships as well as, as bring in a top 10 defense, you know, consistently. It's like, okay, if you like Kenny Atkinson, because he's a player development guy, uh, but he also can and put in a little bit of defense and teams, you know, kind of perform for him because they love him that much. Okay, Brian Keefe could also get that call for that reason. 
He, yeah. he fits that, and, and, he fits that yeah. mold. And I would think just based on, as we keep hearing, he's such a relationship guy that just as important as that head coach is building out your, your assistance and getting something that lasts like, right. We've had three different, as Harrison Barr said, he's had three different head coaches and like, what was it? 24 to like somewhere between 24 and 40 assistants in that three year period. Like that's crazy. And so we keep saying like, why is the defense different? Why is this like you're continually changing what you're trying to implement? There's no like we talk about lack of consistency for things that aren't working, but like what you're trying to do on defense changes with each assistant you bring in, like what yeah. you're trying to do on offense changes with each assistant you're bringing in. So like as much as we want to say, like, why aren't things improving? Like to me, yes, players aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing also but they're very much kind of lacking in the tools that are being given to them yes. of, of consistency on what to, you know, implement out there or someone that knows how to implement right? Yeah. something yeah. like it's. And, and so we saw one year of Rex, we saw one year of, you know, Lombardi, like it's again, but it's defensive changing of what they want you to do every year. And it's, it's yeah. yeah. So the sets change the vocabulary changes. Like it's not as easy as like yep. plug and play where it's like, okay, guys, you guys know everything. And here's, you know, the, the whole philosophy changes year to year in Sacramento. And it's not a surprise that they don't ever get anything consistent because they don't get anything consistent. You know, they can't play consistent when they don't have yeah. consistency, but yeah. Um, and as much I, as you, and we understand you need players that are able to, you know, implement things. And I think, you know, that's been an issue just as much as anything else, but I mean, it's when you have people changing who are implementing things and players who aren't able to execute things like it's, yeah. it's a no win. So, yeah, but that's, uh, that's Brian Keefe and, uh, hopefully you now, um, know why we were so high on him and, uh, you learned about, uh, someone you might not have even known <laughs> existed out there. <laughs> um, but again, now you do. And thank you, Will, for, for joining me today. Um, and, uh, yeah, no. And then, uh, for everyone listening, we will have more names coming as, as the season ends, hopefully we'll start hearing, you know, in the next week or two, you know, that we're, I, at least I'm hoping that they don't, uh, wait and, you know, they don't prolong this decision and, um, make it known that there was an opening and try, you know, get some interest and before other teams start (laughs) opening up spots as well, um, just because you never know, and you don't need to be competing against somebody with a better situation Uh, elsewhere. We're one one tired Greg Popovich or one Tom Thibodeau uh, feud away from being (laughs) third, fourth, fifth fiddle in the league. And we we need as much help as we can get. Joe, you're right. So yeah, so um, be on the lookout, you know, for for more names to come. But uh, hopefully, then we can start talking about the names that we're actually hearing. Um, so again, yeah, thank you everyone for listening, and uh, have a great night. <laughs>